excellent Christmas. Yes, sir. I know I did. Uh, my wife and I went to the greatest city in the world, Delano, Minnesota, and enjoyed a little bit of time there. I got to hang out with my brothers, which is always fun. Uh, but, you know, there was a few things that concerned me that happened over the break, especially Christmas Day. The first is, you might notice, maybe you didn't, probably didn't, I'm wearing some new pants today. I got these as a Christmas gift. And what concerned me is that I was genuinely excited to get pants. Because the younger version of myself would have been, honestly, disappointed. And it's concerning because that means I'm getting old. The other thing that's concerning is that we had a beautiful dinner, ham and potatoes and all these things. And I only ate one plate. And uh, that's another sign that I'm getting old. So, you know, New Year, older me. That's what we're looking at here. Uh, but it was really fun, and I had a great time, and I hope you guys did too. You know, this whole past year, we've really been hitting on this theme of knowing God. And it's something that we've been going after. And I hope that it's been beneficial to you. And I know Eli spoke about knowing God's newness. And the good thing is that we're starting a new year, and we can have some new resolutions. You know, maybe eat more plates next year at Christmas, that type of thing. Uh, that's my goal. And get something other than pants, because these need to last me for a while. Uh, but what we're looking at doing now is starting a new theme of, of knowing Jesus and knowing Him in the New Testament. So we're going we're gonna to move out of the old, not only, but into the new and talk about the New Testament. And last week, Eli spoke about this, and he read from Revelations chapter 21. So if you could turn there with me. Well, you don't need to. It's up on the board. Um, before we read it, I'd actually like to pray. Dear Lord, thank you, thank you so much for this opportunity to come together and to celebrate a new year uh, that's coming up and to celebrate Christmas this past week and all the celebrations that have been going on. I pray that you would just guide my words as I preach today, that people's hearts would be uh, you know, revealed in your word and that people would see what, what the truth is. Lord, we love you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So Revelation 21, it says this. Also, I've got a pink Bible today. Uh, it's because my backpack was stolen a few weeks ago and all my Bibles were in there, so <laughs> great time. So now I'm using my wife's, um, but, so don't be concerned about that. But it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will dwell with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then He said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. So this is the closing of the scriptures. It's not the very last words, but it's very close. And, he's, and, and it's this vision of the future that God wants us to know that He's going to make all things new. You know, I don't know about you, but there's, there's a big part of me that feels like things need to be new around here sometimes. Uh, not here necessarily, but in my life, right? There's times where you get up and you're like, wow, this day again. I think I've lived this before. Or, you know, this, 
this meal again. I think I've eaten this before. And you just get this sense of like, not you. I, I'm sorry. Now, it may, it may sound like Ivy always cooks the same thing. She doesn't. Um, matter of fact, I always cook the same things because I'm, I'm a one-trick pony or whatever they call it. Um, but, you know, it's like, okay, we, we need some newness around here. And that's, you know, sometimes people look forward to the new year. Okay, look, a new year, new start, new me. And a lot of times we dread it, right? It's like, okay, now I got to make a resolution and not keep it. And I got to do all these things that I don't want to do. And, and that's kind of the mentality that comes around right now. It's there's kind of this double-edged sword of like, okay, I want something new, but I kind of don't. Change is scary, and there's all these things that go on. But God is saying the old order of things has passed away. Now, I'm a historian. I like to talk about history. And so I'm going to talk about something that might seem a little random. But in 1776, the United States declared independence, the colonies declared independence from the British Empire. Okay, now a few years later, they, they achieved their independence, and they had to make a seal. They call it the Great Seal of the United States, right? A symbol of who we are and, and, and like a motto. And there's a bunch of different mottos for the United States, but these are the ones that are on the back of the dollar bill. The first one is, Anuit Keptis, which means God has favored our undertakings. Now, God is not actually in there, but that's how they understood it. And actually, they described it, they put it in brackets, God has favored our undertakings, but it really just says favor our undertakings. And then the other one is novus ordo, ordo seculorum, which means a new order for the ages. Now look at the similarity between that and what's here in Revelation. For the old order of things has passed away. It's a bold claim to say that your country is a new order for the ages. Very bold. You know, if you look at the symbol, too, it's, it's kind of creepy, okay? I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the Illuminati, okay? Uh, and one of Ellen's, I think, fourth graders always says Illuminati confirmed. And it's like this conspiracy that people are trying to take over the world and all these things. They also call it the New World Order. And, it's be and honestly, it's probably inspired just by how creepy this symbol is. It's like a pyramid with a giant eye on the top. And it's like, what does this have to do with the United States? Like, literally nothing. <laughs> but to them, it was symbolic, right, of God and him watching over and all these things. Um, but let me ask you this, what is really new in the world since the United States became a country? You know, you could talk about technologies and all these things, but really what has fundamentally changed? You know, has, has tears and death and mourning and crying and pain gone away? Not even close. And even in a country where we shield ourselves from those things to the utmost, utmost that is possible, it's not gone. It's still there. The old order of things has not passed away in this country or anywhere else. And so that bold claim was false. The undertaking to start a new world order, it didn't work, and it never has. Abraham Lincoln called the United States the last best hope of humanity. Abraham Lincoln was flat wrong. Okay, now my point is not to rag on the United States. The only one who can do this is God. But I want to talk about this idea of a new order, a new creation, a new beginning. And I want to talk about Jesus' work. And I believe that Jesus came to launch the work of God's new creation. And he provides us all with an opportunity to participate in that work and to be partakers and sharers in that new creation. But it's an opportunity that we have to accept and take up. Amen? So turn in your Bibles to Genesis. I know I said we'd be in the New Testament, but I want to start in Genesis. Matter of fact, I should have it on the screen as well, if I knew what I was doing. It's gone. There it is. Okay. We had a little animation or something. Uh, Genesis chapter 1. 
Okay, it says, and this is striking when you really take a look at it. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. Okay, now look at the opening of John. In the beginning. Those are the exact same words in the Greek that Genesis starts out with as in John. And that is very, very deliberate. He says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Okay, so I want, I want to show you guys what I see here, the similarities between these. They're, they're pretty obvious, honestly. Right here, in the beginning. And it says in the beginning. That's why I bolded it, okay? You see that? In the beginning. It's this time before anything else. It's not even a time. I don't even know how to describe it. Because there was no time yet. There was only God. Right. And God says, I'm going to do something. Right? I'm going to create. And so in Genesis, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, that's the heavens and the earth that we currently live in. The earth, really. We live in that earth right now. And that's the situation that we find ourselves. And then here, it's, he says, in the beginning, not God, was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So he says, not only was there God, there was, there was God in another person. And then he says, He was with God in the beginning. So who is He? Well, we find out later, if we kept reading, that He is Jesus. Now that is a bold claim. See, the man who wrote John knew Jesus as a person. To say, to, if I said, you know, I have an older brother, if I said my brother Cole was in the beginning with God, that would be a really bold claim. That would be like, are you crazy? Look, what is your problem? Your brother was not there. I remember when he was born, I was there, right? Like if I was talking to my mom or something like that, it'd just be weird. But that's what, this is the conviction that he came to years after knowing Jesus and coming to understand him more. Jesus was there. And he says, through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. You know, that statement itself says that Jesus was not created because nothing was made apart from him, not even himself, right? So Jesus was there with God. Jesus was one with God. Jesus is God. That's the point that he's making. That is a bold claim, and it's a powerful one that can change our lives. But look at this. He says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So I've underlined it because these are the same statements. He's saying them in a different way. He's just repeating what Genesis already said. And then, he, and then it gets weird. It changes, right? Here now, the next statement in Genesis is about the earth being formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. That's like the deep of the ocean. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And then in, and then in John, his next statement is that in him was life. That doesn't sound like it's the same thing, right? It sounds like it doesn't connect. But we know that that's what he's trying to do is connect them because his next statement is the exact same as Genesis's. The light shines in the darkness. God saw that the light was good. These are things that they're paralleling exactly. So I'll get into why I think he says this is connected to in him was life. But just not yet, okay? Just, just give me some time. But you see what John is doing. John is saying, you guys remember Genesis. This is the story of Genesis retold. The story of Jesus' life is the new creation. 
And that is the good news. That there can be a new creation. That the old order of things can pass away. Not just in some distant future, but here and now. Okay, so in Romans chapter 8, this isn't on the slide, it says that the whole creation groans as in the pains of childbirth. Why? Because it's waiting for that renewal, that new creation. Do you ever feel like loaded down with sin? Like, wow, I I can't change. Do you ever feel like the cares of this world, money, housing, all these, they just weigh you down? We've all been there. You know, your finances, your character flaws, we all have them and we all know it, and it doesn't feel good. You know, my pride, my lust, my anger, these things don't make me feel good about myself. My body image flaws, you know, sometimes we get fixated on how we look. It's like, okay, well, that doesn't make the most sense, but it's what we do, and it doesn't feel good. You know, social failing, sometimes you say the wrong thing, right? You're in a social setting, and you know, like, I want to say the right thing, and then it just comes out completely wrong, and you think, I don't know, I think about that all night afterwards. I'm like, oh boy, that was messed up. That is not what I intended to say. I wish I could have a do-over. You know, stubborn sin, hearts of stone. Eli talked about having a new heart. Sometimes we just feel like we need a new heart. You know, I wish that I could have a fresh lease on life. That's, a, that's something I find myself thinking sometimes. I wish I could just start over. You know, all the stuff that I learned through all my mistakes, I wish I could just be 15 again and know all this stuff <laughs> and not have to make all those mistakes. And our society longs for this as well. From its very beginning, the United States and our culture has longed for a new order of things. And we haven't found it. We've longed for a change in our lives. And our society has come up with solutions. You know, the most common one, I think, is, well, I need to move. I need a new city. I need a new, you know, a new house, a new associations, new jobs, new friends, new scenery, new bar, same behavior. Right? You move, it doesn't change who you are. You just bring yourself with you. That doesn't mean there's not times we should move. But the point is, what we need is a new heart and a new self. And we find it really hard to find that. And, and you know, we, we can say, well, what, is, what does the Bible say? What is the solution? And, you know, us, us well-trained folks, we say, Jesus. <laughs> but sometimes we don't really mean it. It's like, can, I don't, I'm talking for myself at least. Can Jesus really help me with this? Because so far it hasn't turned out the way I thought it would. You know, or we can say, maybe, maybe we're theologically savvy and we say, well, we need a new creation or we need a resurrection or we need the Holy Spirit. And, and we get a little bit more technical, but we mean the same thing. We need Jesus. Right. And yet we can't seem to find it. Now, I want you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 11. I think that there's an echo of this feeling in John chapter 11. Many of us have heard the story of Lazarus. He, uh, he was a good friend of Jesus, and he died because he was sick, and Jesus didn't show up to heal him. And he had a couple sisters. But we'll see in verse 17. We'll just read it. It says, On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. 
But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Now you got to wonder, here Jesus comes, and Martha says, you could have saved him, but you didn't. And she seems to be showing some measure of trust. Like even now, God will give you what you ask for. But she's not thinking that he's going to ask God for Lazarus to come back to life. And that's exactly what Jesus does, we find out later. She's not thinking that. She's like, yeah, I know he'll rise again in the last day, and that'll be great, and I'm very excited. Thanks for telling me what I already knew, Jesus. You know, you wonder how she said it. Was she annoyed? You know, sometimes, like, you think about the platitudes that people give you, like, oh, they're in a better place. You know, when my dog was, my, okay, funny story. We got a dog. Her name was Lady, beautiful golden retriever. And my grandma and my grandpa decided she needs to be a hunting dog. So they brought her to this place where they train them to hunt and all these things. And I was a little kid, so I didn't understand what was going on. I thought they were going to kill her. <laughs> so I was, like, I was just weeping. And I was so young, I'm amazed I remember this. I was weeping the whole car ride there. And my grandpa was like, no, it's okay. Like, she'll be fine. She's going to the farm. It's going to be great. And I was like, oh, the farm. I know what that means. That's where they kill them. And I was terrified. I was weeping, little kid, right? And the platitudes that he was giving me, oh, it's a really beautiful, like, it didn't help me. Oh, it's really beautiful. Don't worry. Oh, it's all going to turn out. It didn't help me at all because I didn't understand properly. And so you wonder if she's like, yeah, Jesus, I know. That's what everybody says. Or maybe she heard it, maybe she did have faith, and she's like, yeah, he will rise again at the last day. I'm not sure if that helps me now, but you're right, Jesus. You know, I don't know how she responded. The question is, how would you respond if Jesus said something like that to you? Would you respond with faith? Which I think is the way we should respond. It's not usually the way we do respond. I know it's not the way I normally respond. But how would you respond? Would you be angry, frustrated, sad, kind of tired of hearing it? Like I've heard it a million times. I know how many times I've read the scriptures and you kind of start to, things start to glaze over in your mind, right? And you just read right over it. Like it doesn't have any meaning or impact on your life. And I was meditating on that this morning. It's not a place I want to be. Right? But maybe, you know, maybe we would hear it rightly. I hope so. But how would you hear it? And so this is what, you know, this is kind of the place we find ourselves. We need that renewal. We need that new life. Lazarus is dead and she wants him back. And this is what Jesus does. Okay, Jesus, so she says, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. That's exactly what Revelation 21 was describing. The resurrection at the last day happens just prior, actually, to the new heavens and the new earth. It's all part of the same event when God comes back. And she's like, I know about that. The Jews have known about that through the prophets for a long time. Like, we all know that. But Jesus then says something very interesting. Jesus said to her, verse 25, I am the resurrection, and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? So Jesus suddenly says, that resurrection, that new creation that you're thinking of, is standing right before you. Standing right in front of you. And that's a strong statement to make. But it immediately makes you think, Jesus says, I am the life. It immediately makes you think of John chapter 1. In him was life. Apart from Jesus, there is no life. There's no hope. Because ultimately, the old order will not pass away apart from Jesus. 
not in the past, not in the present, not in the future, apart from Jesus. Nothing is made or remade apart from Jesus. So I want to go back to what was said about, um, you know, how in Genesis it talks about the Spirit hovering over the waters, and somehow that's connected to this idea of in Him was life. Okay, I want to look at it here. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. Amen, this is good news. And he says, right now, if you are in Christ, the new creation has already come for you. It's not just a future event. It's not just something that will happen someday. It can happen right now. But there is a, there is a condition. You must be in Christ because life is only in Him. So what does this have to do with the water? Well, it says this in Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? So how have we died to sin? In what way? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Okay, this word into is just all over the scriptures on this point. In Christ is life. And so how do we enter into that life? It says through baptism. Jesus said something similar in John chapter 3. Jesus said, he said, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Now what does that sound like? The Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Jesus is talking about a new creation in him that just makes us think of Genesis. And that's the point of John. It's one of the points, at least, is that this whole story is new creation, a new rewriting, in, in a way, or retelling of the story of Genesis through the life of Jesus. And it says, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So my first point was this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. The first point is in the beginning. The second point is a new beginning. And the third point is, and everybody was saying this doesn't make sense, begin beginning. What I mean is, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on his name. That's a direct quote from the scriptures. Some of us have never been baptized. What are you waiting for? The blessings are manifold. There are so many. And some of us, maybe we have been baptized, but we no longer count ourselves dead to sin. 
but alive to God in Christ Jesus. We don't think about it that way. We don't act that way. We don't walk in newness of life. See, we weren't baptized so that we could continue sinning. Matter of fact, quite the opposite. We were baptized so that we could have a new life. And really, that's what we want. We don't want to live stuck in sin and frustration. We want a new life. It says, for all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Okay, so I'm just repeating this over and over because the scriptures do. There's no doubt in my mind that the moment in which someone enters into Christ is when they are baptized. Now, it's through faith, by the grace of God. Amen? It's not like I was worthy of being baptized when I was 16. Far from it. I made so many mistakes when I was 15, I wish I never had. (laughs) But I know that I was counted by God's grace among his people when I was baptized. Not before. Not prior to. There's no, nothing in the scripture that would tell me that it was prior to that, that point. Sorry. And so this is, this is God's calling to us. Uh, and so now as we turn to communion, I want us to consider one of Jesus' last things that he said in the book of John before he died on the cross. He said, Tetelestai, that means it is finished. Now in Genesis... You remember that when God had finished his creation, it says that God had tetelestai. A lot of times people will say tetelestai is a reference to receipts, right? When you, when you pay the bill, it's finished, and you don't have to worry about it anymore. And that might be true, but I think it's a reference to Genesis. And Jesus is saying, listen, my work of bringing the new creation is finished. It's finished, and now we can all be a part of it. You know, only by entering into his death can we receive his life. And Jesus made that available to us through the cross. And so as we take communion today, I want you to think about what are the places that I need newness of life? And how can I bring that to God? How can I be a part of the life of Christ? Maybe you need to be baptized. Maybe you don't. Maybe you need to just take a spiritual time away to pray and think about these things. To think about, am I walking in newness of life? And how can I repent? Because God makes that available to us through the blood of Jesus. Amen. So let's pray for communion and we'll take it. Dear Lord, thank you. Thank you so much for the new creation in Jesus, that the old order of things has passed away, that the new has come in Christ and that we can all be a part of that in the here and now. Lord, I pray that you would just bless us with a heart to receive you, that our communion today would be a good time of reflection for us, but also of joy and celebration, knowing that Communion is not just to be a somber time, but a joyous time, knowing that we are a new creation in Christ. Despite all our past sins and faults, you have forgiven us in Him, and and we can be saved. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.